Bet Tevet, Tufshin Ayin Tet. Coming to you live from the headquarters of Ariel Tours in New York, I'm Mayor Weingarten. Welcome to the Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. The Israeli Philharmonic Orchestra. Mo's Tzor, as you've never heard it before. <laughs> Welcome one and all on this last day of Hanukkah, Zot Hanukkah. We are here as we are today, each and every Monday, immediately following JM in the AM, 9 AM, 9 AM Israel time, 4 PM. No, no, start again. It's 9 AM Eastern time, 4 PM Israel time. And around the world, whatever time it is now, that is the time that we are on. Of course, you can listen to us on demand via NachumSiegel.com. Go to the archives or the NachumSiegel Network app available for free. And then once you have that great app, you can listen to everything, all the amazing programming on the NachumSiegel Network. And you can listen to us by going to the archives as well. You can listen to any one of the uh, many six years worth of programming that uh, that we've done. I wasn't aware of this Maoz Tzur um, rendition until yesterday when somebody mentioned it, went online. Oh, the power of the internet, as I always joke with my friends, it's going to be big one day. Um, and um, this was uh, conducted by Zubin Mehta, who uh, in Indian, uh, from India, that is, um, who who had a spe- amazing affinity to Israel to Jewish people, and for many many years conducted the Israeli Philharmonic Orchestra. Uh, it's on YouTube. We will um, give you the um, link for this and all the other music that has available links on YouTube. We'll do that at our Facebook page, Facebook dot com slash the Israel Show. One word: Facebook dot com slash the Israel show. Um, and last week, we every song was Ma'oz Tzor. We have one more Ma'oz Tzor to share with you this week. This is uh, the breast of Ma'oz Tzor. Brought to, we had Eviatar Banai last week. This week, we're going to bring you uh, one version of it from uh, Yosef Karduner, um, one of the more famous Breslov musicians uh, of our time in Israel. Ma'oz Tzor of Breslov by uh, Yosef Cardinor. Stay tuned. We are here for an hour, and we hope that you will stay with us for that period of time. The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Mayor Weingarten. (laughs) 
Yosef Kardoner with the Breslav Nigan of Maoz Tzor. We brought you a few of them over the holiday last week as well. Really, really beautiful. Um, you may have heard that yesterday, Sunday, the, uh, what it was, it, the seventh candle of Hanukkah, um, Israel lost one of uh, its... Um, very well-known and popular pop singers, Yigal Bashan. We've played a lot of his music over the years here. Uh, he was an extremely talented person. Besides being a singer, he also composed many songs. He also wrote words for many songs, and songs that you may be familiar with if you know, if you were into Israeli pop in the uh, 80s and 70s, 80s, 90s. You're probably familiar with at least some of his songs. Um, He suffered a lot from depression of late and ultimately, sadly, took his own life, although it hasn't been specified so, but it's clear that he took his own life um, yesterday. Um, We don't celebrate that at all, but we celebrate the joy of the music and the songs that he brought to us, he was, for many years, partnered, so to speak, with Uzi Chitman, who also died at a young age. Yigal Bashan was 68. Uzi Chitman died, I believe, at a younger age, didn't take his own life. Um, he was very well known in Israel for the kids' show Hopa Hey. If you remember that, he actually wrote the theme song for that. And um, lots of songs, Adva Ninoladnu Betashach is one of his, and, and, and many, many others. We will play um, two of them today, and next week we'll do um, um, more of the music um, that he was uh, very popular and well-known in Israel for some of these really classics of Israeli music. This one is called Likrat Shabbat. It, uh, he performed it at a um, music festival. You know, there was the Hasidic musical music festival, the Israeli music festival. There was also, for a while, a Sephardic, a Dota Mizrach music festival. This one is called Likrat Shabbat. You might know it, very popular. And this was the, the first time it was uh, debuted and performed there at the, uh, at the music festival that was called Lamnatzeach Shir Mizmor. It's called Likrat Shabbat. Um, and uh, we remember and we are sad for the, um, for the passing of Yigal Bashan.
Shabbat Yigal Bashan, the late Yigal Bashan, singing off of uh, the Lam Natsach Shir Mizmor Festival. My name is Mayor Wangart, and you're tuned to this, Roshan, the Nachum Siegel Networks. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your week. Tell your friends, tell everybody that you think might enjoy uh, this program, that they should tune in, join the Facebook page, like it, facebook.com slash the Israel Show, and... Um, Download uh, the program whenever you want and, and have a listen. Um, yesterday there was a terrible um, shooting in the Shomron near the city of Ofra, which was one of the first um, towns, cities to be built in the Shomron. Six people were injured. A pregnant woman who was uh, injured badly is still in the hospital and needs our tefillot. Her baby was, um, the doctor saved the baby, born very early, but they had no choice. The mother needs our prayers. Shira Yael Bat Liora Sara. Shira Yael Bat Liora Sara. 
Um, her name is her 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 non mishaberach name is Shira Ishran, and um, we our our thoughts go out to her and to her baby, and we pray and pray and pray that they will be safe and that we will have a Hanukkah miracle for her and her family. Um, Ambassador David Friedman, what a guy. I mean, he is just the best. And isn't it about time that we had an ambassador, a U.S. ambassador in Israel, who knows the difference between right and wrong, for heaven's sakes. Is it so difficult to understand? This is what he tweeted yesterday, or uh, today actually, very early today. Another vile act of Palestinian terrorism last night included the shooting of a pregnant woman. Hamas calls the shooters heroic. Yes, the same Hamas that the UN could not resolve to condemn last week. The US stands with Israel against terrorists, even if others won't. Kolakavod to David Friedman and to this administration for everything they do. Okay, um, I share with you, I shared it on our Facebook page. I usually don't share it in advance, but this is such a good clip. Shared um, middle of last week. You can go on to our Facebook page and, and see it, facebook.com slash Israel Show. A, um, a short film that was taken by, uh, obviously, by, by somebody's phone of uh, Bad 1. It's um, Bad Bet Heidalid means Basis Hadracha. It's a training base in the south, all the Bahads are down there, and um, this is where they train various um, officers. And um, they lit Hanukkah candles. It is ubiquitous in Israel, lighting Hanukkah candles. Everybody, everybody's in on it. And um, so all the soldiers, and you see this beautiful video, and it's a big, built, tall building. On the inside, there's a staircase that goes around and around, sort of like a spiral staircase, but it's but it's a square building. It goes around and around, and um, on the outside of the staircase, everybody is standing. All the soldiers are packed, going all the way up, and some obviously on the ground floor as well. There's a table with Hanukkiot lit, and they are all singing the very well-known, popular in Israel, Hanero Talalu, Hanero Talalu, Shanum, Aham, This is a short clip, 31 seconds. you really going to do yourself a favor if you see the video clip, because it is just so moving. But we're going to play the audio, because uh, that's what we can do here. And then we'll talk about um, what this means, at least to me, and uh, how it plays into Hanukkah in the in the greater sense of the story. So imagine, if you will, hundreds and hundreds of soldiers lining this uh, staircase that one can see from the uh, internal hallway of the building. 
all in uniform, all with a tremendous excitement, singing Hanero Talalo Anu Madlikim. And let's think about this for a moment from a historic perspective of the Jewish people. The story of Hanukkah took place about 2,400 years ago, something like that. Just imagine how far back that goes, right? 2,400 some odd years ago. Since that time, since the end of the reign of the Hashmonaim, about 100 years or so after, there has not been a Jewish army. The army that we heard the soldiers, the Jewish soldiers of the army of the state of Israel singing Hanerot Halalu Al Nisim and Arflot Al Nechamot Al Hamil Chamot Shasita Lavoteinu, the wars, the successes, the miracles that you did to our for our people, God, that you God did for our people, by Amim Hahem back in that time, Bazman Hazeh. It is. I'm going to give it a totally different twist, and it's not the way, the true way of understanding, but it's a little bit of a drush. By Yamimahem, that was then. There was a Jewish army, Basman Hazeh. And now, in our time, there is, for the first time in history since then, a Jewish army as well, in the land of Israel, in the sovereign state of Israel, also for the first time since the period of the Second Temple of the Hashmonaim, at the end of their reign, there was no Jewish sovereignty. To, uh, again, by our own doing, the Romans came in and, and uh, did away with the sovereignty that we had. I saw a great article. I'm going to share it with you now. It was uh, on thelairhouse.com. It's a great website. The L E H R H A U S dot com. The Lairhouse dot com. This article is by Shimshon Hakoin Nadel from Israel. It's called the Hashmonians as a paradigm for modern Jewish sovereignty. If we think about having a state of Israel and a Jewish government being supportive of that, one might ask, what precedent is there in Jewish history? for doing that without a Navi, without a Sanhedrin, and so forth. And he posits that this, the starting of a Jewish state and a Jewish army and a Jewish government, is preceded, the precedent for it, I'm sorry, the precedent for it is the Hashmonaim. He writes in a responsum, uh, he quotes a responsa of Rav um, Avram Yitzchak Cohen Cook, written in 1916. Rav Cook defends the creation of Jewish militias, they were self-defense groups, and justifies establishing a Jewish sovereign nation even without a king or a Sanhedrin. This is 1916, so imagine how much, uh, how much went time and, and the events between 1960 and 1948. Rav Cook argues that concerning the issues of sovereignty, 
there may be a distinction between the ideal approach and one dictated by reality. He quotes the Rambam in Hilchot Melachim Milchom Tehem Perak Aleph Halacha Gimel Ein Ma'amidin Melech B'Tchila Ela Al Pi Beit Din Shel Shivim Zekenim Al Pi Navi. The only way that you can appoint a king is Batchila at first by a Beit Din, the Sanhedrin, a Beit Din of seventy, while Pinavi and through a Navi. But he quotes yet that in other places the Rambam sort of alludes to the fact that you can have a Melech that is appointed only by the Sanhedrin, leaving out the prophet, the need for a prophet. And Rav Cook reconciles this apparent contradiction by suggesting that the latter ruling applies when there is no prophet. And in such a case, an appointment by the Sanhedrin suffices. And again, the Rambam in Hilchot Melachim says, Navi she'amid melech misha'ar shivtei Israel. if a Navi appoints a king from some other tribe, not from the tribe of Yehuda, which is the tribe that has the melucha, the tribe of Yehuda, ben David and mishpachat b'nei David, v'hayauto melech holech b'derech ha-torah v'amitzvah v'nelcham milchamot Hashem, and this melech, not, not a Davidic king, goes in the proper path and fights the wars of Hashem. Harezeh Melech, he's a king for, for, for all circumstances. He is the king. And that is on a temporary basis. And based on that, Rav Kook defends the Hashmonaim who were not of, uh, of Shevet Yehuda. They were Kohanim of Shevet Levi. And Rav Kook writes that while they should have at first refused the monarchy or at least return the throne to Beit David, once peace reigned, once they won the wars, they were appointed by consent of the Sanhedrin and the Jewish people. And the consent of the Jewish nation forms the basis for of Cook's argument justifying the creation of a modern Jewish state, right? He writes that, quote, when there is no king, since the laws of government concern the general welfare of the nation... The rights of government return to the nation. What is a government in our time? It's when when people get together, they elect the representatives who are there to take care of their concerns and their their matters. And if they if the people elect it, this person, it's sort of like as if the Sanhedrin themselves appointed this person. Because the Sanhedrin, he argues later in this article, and I've seen also other places, the Sanhedrin are sort of the representatives of the people. He also points out that the Rambam in Sanhedrin, Perik Dalet, um, Halacha Yud Gimel says, Rashi Galuyot, the um, Reish Galuta, in English it's called Exilarch, meaning the head of the congregation in the Galut. When when Jews went to Bavel, they had this concept of the, the community leader, the president of the community, so to speak. There is, if they're a melech. So he says that they have the power of the king, whatever the king can do, whether the people like it or not, 
the president of the community, and again, that was a time, a different time when there was a very solid community, and this this president was um, was someone who followed the ways of Torah. So he has the powers of the king. Um, and continues uh, Rabbi Shimshon Hakohen Nadel in this article from thelairhouse.com. It is curious that Rav Kook draws upon the Chasmonean dynasty. While the Chasmonean are certainly the heroes of the Hanukkah story, their end was not a pretty one. No, we know that um, as the generations went on, the Chasmonean kings were plagued by corruption, political assassinations, assimilation. They, the Chasmonean, ultimately succumbed to the very Hellenization that they fought so hard against. It's rather, it's rather amazing. In fact, he points out here something that I've heard many times that um, it's even been suggested that the sages, Chazal, intentionally downplayed the success of the Chashmonaim because they they didn't they were not happy with them with the Chashmonaim. They were not happy with the fact that they took on uh, the Malchut, even though they weren't from Bet David. They were unhappy about how it ended up, that they totally assimilated and so forth. Which may explain why only a few scant references to the Chashmonaim are found in the in the Talmud, in the Gemara, in the Shas. In fact, the very topic of Hanukkah, like Megillah has its own Masechet, and other holidays have their Yoma, Rosh Hashanah, they all have their own Masechet, Psachim. Hanukkah occupies only a minimal space in the Talmud when relating the Hanukkah story. The Talmud focused solely on the miracle of oil, leaving out the military victory completely. So Chazal are basically rewriting, if you will, the whole Chashmonim story because they, they, in hindsight, look back and say this was really ended up being very bad. He quotes also the Ramban, which is very strong. The Ramban comments strongly, this is in Bereshit, Mem Tet Yud, where the bracha of Yehuda, lo yisroshev Yehuda, and the Ramban there says, This was a punishment that they ulti- that they took on the Malchut in addition to being the Kohanim, and they weren't supposed to do that. And therefore they were punished, and um, they ended up with a tremendous downfall. I'm skipping, but that the midah midah is that God brought upon them the situation where those who were their slaves ended up being their ruling over them, meaning the Romans. And the Romans ended up killing them off. There's more to it, but um, we won't get into the into the weeds, if you will, if we haven't already. With Cook saw the Hashmonaim dynasty continues Rabbi Nadel as a paradigm for the creation of modern Jewish nation on its soil. So what he's saying is that with all the flaws, in spite of their flaws, the Hashmonaim declared sovereignty, a Jewish sovereign nation, 
in the land of Israel and it was accepted Rav Kook says similarly that it would be the secular Zionists and pioneers who were not the picture of perfection who would build the modern state of Israel and this is consistent he says with much of Rav Kook's thought he believed that quote in all aspects of life the secular awakens first and afterwards the holy must awaken to complete the resuscitation of the secular in reality I'm sorry, in relation to the state of Israel, his son, Rav Tzvi Yehuda Cohen Cook, drawing upon Masechet Me'ilah, Yudalad Amar Aleph, would often say, first we build, then we sanctify. And he concludes, beautiful, as the eight days of Hanukkah were established by our sages as days of thanksgiving and praise, now might be an appropriate time to reflect on how fortunate we are have a Jewish state, even if it is still a work in progress. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
Sarit Chadad, a song that represented Israel in the Eurovision many years ago. I think it was 2003, two, no, 2002 actually, with Nadlik Biachadner. And as crazy as it is, they allow in the Eurovision for you to sing in your native language, but also in English, and that is the combination that is there. Uh, you can comment on our Facebook page. You can also comment, even better, on the Nachum Siegel Network app. And it is great to see Moshe commenting again. We missed him for a few weeks, and he's back. Thank you so much for your comments. And uh, another commenter who said, writes, um, I don't know how to read that um, username, so Abe, I think, is the first part of it. Um, weren't the Hashmonaim wiped out because they kept the monarchy? Yes, that's what we were saying, that um, they were not from Shevet Yehuda, they were from Shevet Levi, and they should have According to, to many understandings, yes, that's that was one of the reasons that they were wiped out and ultimately that uh, the Malucha was given to others, uh, meaning their enemies. Um, Raja Zeatra, I think is the way you pronounce his name, is an Israeli Arab from the Hadash Party. The Hadash Party is the very radical Arab party. The new mayor of Haifa, Einat Kalish Rotem, has made a coalition including Hadash. And this Raja Zetra is set, slated in a few months to become the deputy mayor of Haifa. Well, by his own admission, he's a big fan of Nasrallah, of Hezbollah. He walks around Haifa with Syrian flags. He was one of the first in Israel to call for BDS, Boycott Divest Sanction. He started an organization called Cherem 48. Boycott 48, meaning 1948. He has posted on tweet, Facebook, wherever, his support of Hezbollah. Can somebody like this be the deputy mayor of Haifa? I mean, is that normal? And um, many in Israel are calling on the mayor-elect of Haifa, or the mayor, I guess, of Haifa, Einat Kalish Rotem, who won in a surprise victory. Nobody knew anything, I wouldn't say anything, nobody knew much about her. She was very silent during the, uh, during the election period during the campaign, and I guess people just wanted to change after the previous mayor had been there for so long. Crazy. And there is an Arab theater group there in Haifa which has exhibited terrible behavior, including allowing a play that glorifies a terrorist, a terrorist who killed a Jew. This play that was written by this terrorist and glorifies him is shown in this Haifa theater, subsidized in part by the city of Haifa. So now we're going to have the, um, what is it, the Wolf, uh, 
watching the hens is that the way it is i don't remember the exact the phrase the idiom but you know what i'm saying it's crazy it's crazy uh, i don't understand what's going on there okay um some more music and then we're gonna share with you a quick thought from um Carolyn Glick, the great writer, about the uh, operation that is going on right now in the north of Israel. We haven't spoken much about it. There's not much to speak about. We spoke about it a little bit. This is the uh, operation to the quote, Northern Shield to destroy the attack tunnels of Hezbollah. Seemingly weird. Israel is scrupulously avoiding any action inside Lebanese territory. They're sealing these tunnels, only the section of the tunnel that penetrates into Israeli territory. And one, it, it seems like Israel is just afraid to start up. That doesn't really give much confidence to the Israelis that, um, that their army is strong enough to uh, mount a war against Hezbollah. She writes that could be true. But on the other hand, it's hard to see the operation ending with the sealing of one or two tunnels. And then she goes out and explains three things that Israel is accomplishing by doing this in this way. And hopefully that will um, that will be helpful. We'll, we'll share that with you right after. El Chai Refuah with Sneh. My name is Mayor Weingarten. You're tuned to The Israel Show on the Nachum Siegel Network.
It's Hanukkah, so I guess this song is appropriate. That's why I picked it. Hasne Bo'er Ba'esh. Right? The sne that Moshe sees the burning bush. The big flame. And it keeps it keeps on lighting. It doesn't burn out the bush. Sort of like the nace of Hanukkah. You see what I'm getting at? The oil lasts a lot longer than it should. It doesn't get burnt out. Carolyn Glick writing in uh, this I saw on Breitbart.com. Breitbart, B R E I T B A R T, Breitbart.com. Writes about three things that Israel gains by uh, acting the way it is in the north right now and the operation that it has declared to um, destroy the tunnels of the Hezbollah very different than down south the tunnels of uh, the Hamas harder to destroy harder to find because in the south it's it's mainly sand very soft earth in the north it's rock it's much harder to build a tunnel and yet they did it in acting as it has, says Carolyn Glick, Israel has accomplished three things. One, it secured U.S. support for its operation against Hezbollah. Russia, too, has also backed Israel's actions. By securing support from both, Israel sets the conditions for a wider operation against Hezbollah from a strong diplomatic position. She's looking to the future, saying there's going to have to be something stronger. There's going to have to be a next step in, in this uh, showdown between Israel and Hezbollah, she doesn't say it, but if only because of the fact that there's over 100,000 rockets and missiles that the Hezbollah has aimed at northern Israel. Second, Israel's tunnel sealing operations expose the fecklessness of the UN operation in southern Lebanon. I mean, it's a joke, like the rest of the UN. UN Security Council Resolution 1701 from August 2006, that's the end of the Second Lebanon War, set the terms for the ceasefire between Israel and Hezbollah. The resolution charged the UN International Force in Lebanon, UNIFIL, with preventing Hezbollah forces from deploying along the border with Israel. For years, Israel has presented mountains of evidence that Hezbollah is openly operating along its border and that UNIFIL has done nothing. In the case at hand, Hezbollah used a greenhouse along the border to hide its quarrying activities. They were digging out the tunnels. According to IDF spokesman Ronen Manelis, the greenhouse is located just meters from the UNIFIL post, meaning there's no way that UNIFIL couldn't see what was going on. Meaning, UNIFIL is complicit with Hezbollah. That's, I think, what Carolyn Glick is trying to say, and that what, what many have said. UNIFIL has allowed thousands, hundreds, uh, over 100,000 rockets and missiles to be placed 
in homes in southern Lebanon aimed at Israel. Part of the agreement was not to allow any weapons. And here, Israel is being threatened by over 100,000. So where is Unifil? It's nothing, it's a joke. So her point is that by doing this, Israel's sort of showing what a joke the Unifil is. In the next round of war, Unifil forces will have no constructive role to play. By pointing out their inaction and failure to fulfill their duties, Israel may be paving the way for the disbanding of Unifil. Get rid of them. They can only be actually a, a, a negative impact rather than a positive impact. This is important because for the past 12 years, Hezbollah has used UN forces as human shields to protect its operations along the Israel border. The final thing, this is number three, is accomplishing through its small operation against the tunnels is to set events in motion on Israel's own terms. In previous rounds of war, Hezbollah struck first, and taken Israel by surprise, whether by kidnapping its forces or opening major barrages of missile attacks against Israel or both, if the tunnel operation is followed or carried out in tandem with operations against Hezbollah's missile arsenal and precise missile factories recently set up by Iran in Lebanon, then Israel will be able to shape the conditions for the next war to its advantage and to do so while receiving international backing for its actions. So this might explain a little bit of the thinking of the Israeli government. According to the government, this was the reason that they didn't act in Aza, because they knew they had to act up in the north, and they didn't want to open up two fronts. Not that the Israeli defense forces can't fight on two fronts, but you don't do so willingly if you can avoid it. And that was uh, the um, difference of opinion between Avigdor Lieberman, who was the security uh, defense minister who resigned, who said you can't allow Hamas in the south to get away with sending 500 rockets in one day towards southern Israel without a strong, very strong response. And uh, the Israeli government and the cabinet, what's called the inner security cabinet, decided not to do that, not to open a front on the south because they understood that upcoming was this front that they're going to open up in the north and you never know where where that's going to lead. Okay, here's a quick Maos Tzor, live version as sung a cappella by Kolachai and then we have a piece of good news before we uh, close out for today. Here's Kolachai from a live performance with their a cappella version of Maos Tzor. Maozu Yeshuati Lechana Elishabeach Tikon Betefilati Vesham Todan Hanukkah, Ami. 
Maus Tzur Kolachayim will use the opportunity to wish him a Zaltov to Hod Goldschmidt, who is celebrating his Bar Mitzvah. He is the son of Tzipi and Yitzchak Goldschmidt. Yitzchak, the eldest of the three Kolachai brothers, the composer of all the Kolachai music. And uh, their youngest is celebrating his Bar Mitzvah this week. We wish you all the best, Mazaltov. Many, many years of greatness ahead. That's from me and from all of us here at The Israel Show. Um, This is amazing news. This is just great news. Bloomberg News says that Jerusalem is poised to lead growth in inbound arrivals, meaning of all the travel destinations in the world, of all the cities in the world, the one that has the largest growth of tourism from last year to this year is going to be Jerusalem. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Making the Israeli city one of the world's most popular travel destinations in a year in which Japan and India continue to lure visitors. That is just, uh, it's beyond comprehension. Jerusalem growth set to accelerate 38% from last year to this year to 4.8 million arrivals by the end of the year. After a 32% jump in 2017. The Holy City, it writes, is benefiting from, quote, relative stability and a strong marketing push. That is amazing. That is a miracle by itself. With all the difficulties that Israel faces and with all the hatred that Israel faces, the fact that there is such a huge growth and that Jerusalem is the largest growth of tourism from year to year, and Kolakavod to Bloomberg for not starting the whole divided city business and all that other stuff. Okay, we're going to close out with Yigal Bashan, the late Yigal Bashan, who we uh, lost this weekend. One of his famous songs, Kamot Soani, like a gypsy, we do that right after we say thank you so much for listening. Thanks for your Facebook likes, your comments. Thanks to the staff of Nachum Siegel Network. My very special thanks, as always, to Nachum Siegel. Coming up immediately after us on the Nachum Siegel Network, Yoni Pollock, with after further review covering the latest in the world of sports, and Novik now with Jake Novik right after that, and the great Monday Music Marathon follows that. Have a great Zot Hanukkah, and a wonderful winter ahead. Until next Monday, following Jamie and Dame, this is Mayor Weingarten reminding you the nice guys do not finish last. Oh no, they're just running in a different race.
Bye. 